looking at? I'm Fathery. I'm Aaron. And this joint presentation of Text Trek slash Drawn to Trek is brought to you by Sluggo Cola. <laughs> captain's Log, star date 7403.6. pretending to do a Captain's Log? I saw that, but I don't believe it. A Vendorian doctor. Ah, uh, shapeshifter? Ah, uh, Look, I can set you up with somebody great on the Cerritos. There's that Felosian and Tactical. She seems like a nice plant person. Intelligent plants? Orion's little game of neutrality and piracy is over. For your information, many Orions haven't been pirates for over five years! Time to take this puppy off its leash! Warp me! Welcome back aboard the Starship Texas for the 200 and... What is it? 262nd. That's how you say those numbers. Welcome back to the 262nd installment of the Text Trek podcast. And the 18th the of episode of... Drawn to Trek. <laughs> yes. Uh, the, uh, the, the home of, of Trek fandom deep in the heart of Texas and the home of, of Trek getting drawn um, to <laughs> itself. Well, you also forgot Trek geeks in the beginning, so I want to make sure that they actually get a little shout out since it's, that's the network that I started on and it's part of that. Yes. Check them out if you wanted some cool stuff. Part of the, the Trek Geeks podcast network. You said this was, uh, this was number 18. Correct. And tonight we're talking about Lower Deck Season 4, Episode 6, Parth Ferengi's Heart Place, written by Colin Crawford and directed by Brandon Williams. I would like to make an, an um, admission right up front. I have no idea what that title means. Somebody says it's like it's a reference to something, but I don't know what. I know exactly what it means. Yay! And Tell uh, me. at the end of the show, we'll explain in the okay. uh, the Gorneg section when we right. talk about the, the Easter eggs, end jokes, and continuity connections. Or someone will spoil it before then in the live chat because it's on the <laughs> internet. Um, but that's okay. That's fine. Uh, there's a little bit of news, though. Uh, next week, it's a, it's a big deal. There's a New York Comic Con is, is next weekend. Yep. So we're going to be uh, covering the Star Trek Universe panel. I don't know. We typically do like a, a live stream on the weekends. Uh, podcast listeners, if if you've uh, if you followed Text Trek in the past, you might have heard me mention this before. But yeah, we we will do uh, if there's any trailers or anything like that. We'll we'll do live stream breakdowns of those cool. on on YouTube. I know that she's in New York now, but right. I, is she, was she go? I, was she she was doing convention stuff. I yeah, don't think so she was I'm doing not NYCC. Oh, okay, if people are going, they're showing next week's episode of Lower Decks early. So cool. Yeah, and if if anybody are out audience is there, just you know, send us a tweet, send us pictures of uh, what it's like or whatever, and we'll we'll put them up on that live stream when we do it. Yeah, I, I think I think they might have some. I don't know, like at least like writers from the shows. Uh, they can they can promote their their That's work. True. I don't know if. Uh, I know, like with voice acting, it's not struck, but it's still kind of it's a little weird yeah. how they haven't done anything official. Paramount hasn't done anything like official promoting Lower Decks with actors, so I think the actors Correct. are just not. But now it seems like to now that. that the writers can talk, they're like they are really letting the writers talk as much as they want, <laughs> and the you know um, the producers and all that. But they'll they'll have something there and uh, some other Star Trek shows. I maybe we'll get the Discovery trailer finally. Like I don't like they keep holding on to this Discovery season five. Uh, a, a new trailer. They showed us like the first trailer over a year ago. So maybe we'll get like the second trailer at some point. Wait, what was, didn't we just recently see not that long ago? They showed a was... clip. They okay, it was a clip, a clip, not a trailer. Got it. got it, got it. Okay, yeah. Yeah. We've only had one trailer. Um, I, I, yeah, I should say that though. We've had a trailer and a clip, but whatever they have. The, the tricky thing is that Saturday we're also doing a Patreon uh, watch party in the Text Rec Discord server where if you're, if you're part of the, uh, 
Patreon, we like to celebrate every month with a monthly watch party. And for the uh, the spooky season we're getting into with October and uh, Halloween approaching, we are watching the zombie Vulcan episode of Star Trek Enterprise Impulse. I have not seen that one in a long time. I'll jump in on that. Yeah, I think it'll be a fun one. I, I also, I think that might actually be uh, Terry Metalis's first uh, episode of Star Trek mm. that, that he's credited on. Because um, I think he has the story by credit on it. Was Captain Picard in it too? No, <laughs> no um, and I don't think they mentioned Metallus Prime like uh, thirty uh. times, or uh, you know, like New Jersey, or his, uh, the name of his first pet, or his he mother's didn't quite, name. Or, like, yeah, just he didn't quite have that pull yet. <laughs> yeah, but that'll, that'll be a fun one to rewatch. I haven't seen it in a, yeah. in a few years either. So uh, looking cool. forward to that, and uh, and of course, thank you to all the the patrons out there. Um, you can come into the Patreon as well as two dollars a month. Uh, if you can afford to be more generous, there's additional perks as well. But $2 a month will get you into the monthly watch parties. And you can sign up now and, and come into the watch party for October 14th. Uh, so, Aaron, maybe it would make more sense to cover the New York Comic Con stuff like that that evening, like after the uh, that stuff's going to the Comic Con stuff's going to be like early. It's going to be like around like noonish in, the, in okay. the day. So, yeah, it'll give us time to gather everything up and figure yeah. out what we well, talk about. We'll let y'all know, like, next pod. Well, if I guess if you're listening to the podcast, it'll already be uh, after the, the 14th. But it'll, something something will be streaming on Saturday the 14th, probably 7 p.m. Central. If you want to support the show and uh, you, you can't do the Patreon, you can always, uh, you know, super chat. If you're uh, watching us live, hit the subscribe. Or if you're listening to the podcast, either you – hell, if, if you're listening to Drawn to Trek or Text Trek, subscribe to both. It doesn't yes. matter which one you listen to. Just subscribe to both of them. Uh, one piece of news – not really – I mean – News, news, but it was the final uh, very short trek, and it actually oh yeah was, was worth talking about. So when we get when we were going to talk about them all at one time, um, and uh, yeah, I think I, I'm excited because it was just like wow, it it was fun. <laughs> it was like I actually enjoyed it. I know a lot of people are just like they were so put off by the first couple. It's like no matter how good it would be, they're still going to hate it <laughs> at this point. Unfortunately, I think I was the odd man out where I didn't have too strong a feelings on on any of them yeah or i guess i just compartmentalize that i mean to me it's just kind of like oh they're kind of like you know they're, they're like movie posters or they're like commercials right. or well, they're like, like the interstitials in in the adult swim or cartoon network yeah or something like that i mean like with stuff like that i guess like it doesn't bother me if i don't like it or if it's right. not good it like doesn't it's just i don't know it's, just, it's just, i guess it's unimportant to me but i won't have a ton to to say but i know i know you will yeah, no, I think just because I'm, you know, the TAS guy, essentially, and this is supposed to honor the 50th anniversary of the animated series. It's might be funny in some instances, but I don't think it was until the very last one, which really should have been the first one, that they actually talk about the animated series and they really point it out. And they, they even make fun of Filmation in a really kind of loving sort of way. So it's, uh, you know, instead of uh, doing five of those, I think I just would have expanded that one. Just like, yeah, so doing that like a little five minute thing is make that like, like a, like a 15 minute. minute little like yeah. short film thing, like. Yeah, know. that could have been fun. That's... You could have actually could have combined. There could have been like a holiday. The ending could have been what the uh, the errands was the episode four. They could have just yeah. ended with like holodeck within holodeck, which almost would have been a funny joke to these are the voyages on top of it, you know, but we can talk about that when we talk about them. But I just wanted to bring that up that, that this week that happened. Yeah, so we can try to schedule something with with that as well. Yep. I believe we'll have somebody join us for that one too. So that's good. Cool. Yeah, uh, I think that's everything. So let's just go ahead and get into our main subject of the evening. All right. Parth Ferengi's Heart Place. I can recap the episode uh, quickly by reading the synopsis and then kind of expand on that with spoilers to refresh it for y'all. But the synopsis reads, the Cerritos visits the Ferengi homeworld. 
So, uh, yes, this episode shows the Cerritos go to Ferenginar to assist the USS Toronto in uh, negotiating with Rom, get Rom and Lita back. They're going to bring Ferenginar into the Federation, or at least start that process. They say it's, you know, this is just the application. It's a long, long road. Kind of exciting that they're even doing that. But it turns out that uh, Starfleet also does tour guide duty. So while that's going on, uh, we have Rutherford and Tindy have to pretend to be married so they can... (laughs) They can go write the the tour guide, I guess, for like the 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 romantic honeymoon on Ferenginar or, or whatever. I guess that is kind of silly to yeah to actually say the plot out loud, but it was a ton of fun to watch. It was like Superman two did that. Lois and Clark had to pretend to yeah. be married for whatever they were their investigation of the uh, hotel industry or something like that. Which so yeah, and it's very it's like TV trophy. Yeah. It's like oh, these two characters that like it's fun for the audience to be like, ooh, what if they did yeah. like kiss and hug really each other fits- and. The Ferenginar programming that they have on their television, it's a nice kind of reflection <laughs> of that, I think. Very familiar TV tropes there as well. Yeah. But yeah, it was yeah, kind of fun to see the two of them. And then, you know, by the end, they they kind of uh, find a way to escape their situation without, like, getting caught as, you know, fakers, liars, or whatever. Which on Ferenginar, it's like the largest felony if you pretend to be something to get a deal. <laughs> get money. Well, and in the United States, I mean, uh-huh. you know, with our... Uh, we see our former president who's gotten away with a, a bunch of crimes, but then like the, you know, the, the, uh, one of the really big ones that's I think is going to be the big problem for him is the, the, the fraud stuff that he's in. Yeah. Cause it turns out like in the United States, like uh, the, the banks and like the insurance industry, like they're actually like incredibly powerful. So they're, they're like the, uh, the hardest worse than to, uh, to rip off. So, yeah. So, but yeah, that, that, that made a lot of sense. A lot, a lot of the stuff, it was it was well done. Just Yeah, it just felt like the way that Ferengi culture was written by yeah. Iris Stephen Bear and Ron Moore and all of those DS9 guys. So uh, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun revisiting to a... Uh, felt like, you know, going visiting like a, a town I, I used to go to every now and then but hadn't, mm-hmm. hadn't hit up in a while. It's like getting back over there, seeing some old friends. Some things have changed. Some things are still the same. So... I had a good time. I'll give the uh, the first uh, opening statement, and then I'll I'll ask you what what you thought about it, Aaron. But the Rom Lita stuff, like I mentioned, I liked that. I've mentioned it before. I do want to see Tindy and Rutherford together. So t- I like that the show like, at least like acknowledged it, even though it didn't actually push them together. I, yeah. It kind of opened the door to me where it looks like they might. It's still in like that will they won't they territory where it could go either way, which little annoying. But I think that they're they're at least going to do something like they're they're say like you know it showed like their faces turn all red when they're like embarrassed that they were like actually like feeling like genuine feelings for each other like the show's told me like there is something there we're we're not ignoring it so it it yeah. might go somewhere i'm i'm happy with that um i like seeing quimp come back and uh, mariner just with with you know talking about with getting some movement on the tindy rutherford thing it was also a lot of fun for me to see um them address a criticism i started to develop with mariner where I was like, it, it kind of, it's weird that, that she kind of has this, uh, I, I think I actually used the term arrested development this season talking about her, but I think, I think McLemos or uh, a Quimp or someone said something similar. And uh, it, it, it is weird. Like, you know, they addressed in season three, like she always acted like she didn't care about Starfleet, didn't want to be in Starfleet. So season three, they kick her out and she's like, no, I actually really do want to be there. And she comes back. So now that she's there and she's like admitted that to herself, I think now she's having to admit to herself, like, oh, now that I'm here, I'm actually going to, you know, I, I said, I'm going to talk the talk and I'm going to walk the walk and I have to actually like apply myself and 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 work in Starfleet and you know take this stuff seriously so I think she's trying to take like that next step it would be a frustrating situation if like if they had her acting all crazy like this and they didn't bring up like hey haven't you had like some development and you know this is season four after all so I liked that that Quint I wish Quint had actually said that that would have been (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, but he's basically saying like, yeah, like I have changed and that's a good thing. Like people are supposed right. to change. If you're still the same person you were, you know, decades ago, that probably says something bad about you. Like why why aren't you able to, to mature and grow and develop? So yeah. uh, I loved that being called out. And uh, finally, uh, this might be my favorite use of Maglimo. I thought he his the, the way that they used him at the ending, it was almost like every line, every sentence out of Maglimo's mouth, just talking about like, his his species invented warp travel to explore strange new mills. I was just I, I was laughing at all of that shit. He cracked me up. Just that that whole stupid sitcom contrivance situation that is so ridiculous and so over the top, but it worked in the execution, and that was great. But what do you think, Aaron? Uh, I'll I'll take that and kind of go backwards because I thought the malig how can I not say his name Miglamo was almost like a Simpsons line or something. It, it's like everybody you can kind of see on that ship is like good at their job. He does not seem like he is a good counselor. Like, I would not want to go to this person if I had problems. <laughs> He's a joke, which is fine, but it's like, I don't know. They need to plug in somebody who actually can help them with their mental state, I think. <laughs> That's a good point. I, they should show him, like, actually do good counseling. Right. At some if point. he could do that, that would be fantastic. But yeah. as, as it stands right now, he's like a punchline. But uh, other than that, I actually really, really enjoyed this episode. It felt like there was a lot going on in a short period of time, but it didn't feel disjointed or rushed you know just it felt like there was it felt like you got an hour's television show in a, in a half hour and obviously love seeing lita and and uh brahm come back uh especially <laughs> we can talk about this when we get to it but it's like rom like rachel and i watch it and i was like uh is rom more stupid than normal <laughs> it's like oh this is part of the bit okay um and yeah i and i think I, I'm hoping that we do see movement on Mariner, that this isn't like going to be a recurring thing. I mean, it's yes, it's, she kind of backslid. We kind of point that out. But I think if she if this continually happens, it's like, what's going to push her? What's the thing that's going to push her past this becoming an issue every time? So I'm curious to see if that happens in this season or if we see it in the next season. Or we don't see it at all, which would be bad. But <laughs> So, yeah, I, I loved it. Loved all the little jokes, obviously, you know, the Star Trek experience and <laughs> just like that. So. Yeah, there's some fun yeah. um, deep cuts in there. This, if people who like Easter eggs, this is a very Easter egg heavy episode. Yeah. One, one of the one of the heavy. I know there's a lot of heavy ones in Lower Decks. But, you know, the Voyager one, Tuvix at the beginning of the season, yeah. that had a lot in it too. Yeah. So. This has a lot, like just not some. They're Easter eggs, but I mean, they're like it's a sign on a wall or something. But they have a lot of those things because it's a casino type area or something like that. So you, I think you get a lot of Easter eggs in one one blast, basically. That might have been spread out throughout. But oops. even though we did have a lot of Easter eggs, I really like that this didn't feel like it was standing on like it had you had to know something previous or it wasn't it wasn't all a joke to about, you know, the Star Trek experience or Deep Space Nine or whatever. It yeah, was, yeah, you it could, really you felt could watch like this their own show knowing exactly you, you could go into this without no idea who Rom and Lita are and you just right. be like, oh, he he's the ruler of this planet. And yep. yeah, these are like the greedy Ferengi people that I've, I've, I, they, they enslaved the, uh, the, the Magatos in, in season two or season three. And even when the Admiral was talking about, uh, what was that? Outside the dome and inside the dome. I can't remember the name of it, but, um, <laughs> Mohab 4. Oh, but yeah, Mohab 4. Uh, you don't have to know that that was actually in an episode of TNG. It's just like you can get that out of context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was, that was, yeah, that's just like a sci fi concept. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Inside the dome, outside the dome. You know what's up with that. Yeah. The Thunderdome. <laughs> Beyond Thunderdome. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's get to our episode breakdown, just starting with, like, the uh, the beginning opening with the uh, Ferengi ship that gets destroyed, and then they, they set up the 
the Freeman story as well as the Lower Decker tour guide stuff all pretty quick at the beginning. So the you know the first scene with the Ferengi ship, we've seen this throughout the season. The Ferengi Lower Deckers this time arguing about, oh, why can't we sell these disruptors and buy our own ship? They they did change up the the formula here a little bit and showed that one of the Ferengi on the ship had actually betrayed his crew to whoever the the mysterious threat ship is. Yeah, he was expecting their arrival, so that was interesting. I thought it was funny that he's like, you know, you're only here because you're, you're uh, owed your cousin a favor. It was like, it seems like mm-hmm. every Ferengi has a cousin that they owe a favor to. <laughs> yeah, because Quark was always, uh, you know, talking about Cousin Gala on, on right. DS9. So everybody has like, they they, they they always at one point sell something that makes a mistake and, and they have to pay for it later with a it, family member. <laughs> it's not true for every single Ferengi. No, I know. Mel, but like for a lot of them. They like I never noticed it till now. I don't think, but they all have like one like single syllable like names. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think I think it, it started to to click in this opening when that one Ferengi is like Jem doesn't care. He thinks Rom is the next Lons, and it's like yeah, yeah. Why do they have like like Rom, Nog, Zek, Brunt, Quark? I don't like I don't know. I just think that's Pog like, and Dark like, or whatever the uh, the two cops and yeah, they dress in like these most like ridiculous, elaborate, colorful outfits, and then they have like this just like super Boring. short, blunt name like that. Yeah, just I don't know. Just, Maybe it costs to register your name. You have in, to pay for the lettering. You have to pay for the lettering. Actually, we joked about that when the, in uh, season one or two where we saw Quarks, and there was mm-hmm. no apostrophe. I'm like, he's not going to pay for to put the apostrophe part on the sign. It's like that just costs more money to make this. Yeah, yeah, like like print shops and stuff on Ferenginar, they would they yeah. would nickel and dime you for like every single yep. molecule. So, <laughs> so that's why yeah. that's why their names are shorter. That's my headcanon. Uh, but uh, I, I've heard some people say like they're kind of they're bored of like this mysterious threat stuff. Like they they kind of check out when they see these sequences start happening mm-hmm. in the episodes. I don't I don't feel that way though. Like I don't. Maybe if I'm they just lasted more throughout patient, the episodes, but... or they were like more drawn out. I'd be like, okay, but they're just they're the teaser essentially, and so it's like you you kind of like. Get a little bit of a look into other cultures, their lower decks, which is fun. Uh-huh. And then, you know, they get destroyed. But it's like, okay, this has some sort of greater meaning eventually. And now we've kind of seen a little bit of like, they're not, it's not just completely out of the blue. So somebody's had some sort of connection with the person, even if it's not, even if they get like some sort of different image or it's, it's, it's you know, the, the ship, the people who are in there or the, whatever it is, is portraying themselves as somebody different as possible to, to the Ferengi. But yeah. I they like keep it. showing us more clues every time they, they mm-hmm. do one of these, though. Like yeah. with the Romulans, we learned like, oh, the 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 ship is actually targeting specific ships because like the Romulans were like, how do they know we would be here? Like, right. Was, and the Orions you know, like weren't like going to be shot until they actually hailed them. Yes. Yeah. The, so it's like it's it's looking for targets, but also like if you bother it, it'll wipe you out. And yeah. I guess it's like it's. So is it is it trying to find like different? Sh- is it like I need like a Klingon ship, a Romulan ship, a Ferengi, no. or is it? And like I don't know. I'm I'm curious though. Like, the United I think Federation more of blowing things engaged. up, <laughs> perhaps. But yeah, I mean we don't have long. I'm sure within yeah. the next uh, four weeks, you know, before the <laughs> end of the season, we'll, we have we'll, to. We'll know everything well, about. It this, could be so. a cliffhanger, I suppose, but that would be not great. I don't think it. Well, I don't know. I, I there might be a cliffhanger, that. but not to this thing. At least we'll know. I think we'll get know more about it by the time we get to the last episode. I really hope, because then I'd probably be irritated too. Uh, I hadn't recognized this Ferengi ship before. I haven't seen anyone else online point out that they've seen it somewhere before. So I think it's a, a new ship design. And mm. I think that's cool. I, yeah. I, now I want to see it again somewhere. And I would love it if it showed up in a different show. Oh, yeah. If it showed up in live action or something. And notice the uh, little the 
doll thingy, whatever. The first time they showed that was in the battle, I guess, with right. uh, Picard to the yeah, whatever the Ferengi technology, like all Ferengi ships, they kind of have like these sphere balls. It, like they clearly do other things besides mind control, but I don't really know what. So well, I'm wondering if it, they like use a, that. It, it reads the opposite. It's like maybe it's how you navigate and it just mm. it, it, it hears your brain like, you know, like, oh, OK, it's doing what it, you think to it. Some type of common interface. Well, the um, Admiral from season one comes back, uh, Vassery. Uh, yeah. But he's, I, I like that they had him here to, because like, okay, bringing a major world like Ferenginar into the Federation, you wouldn't send a California class ship to do that. So, okay, okay right. they have Admiral. Well, they're not going into sense, the Federation, but, right? It's like, it's the beginning, the, the they're not actually part of the UFP once they're, the sign is. No, the way that Freeman explains it at the end is that the that is the application, but it's like step one in a long right. process. Got it. Okay. So that way they can kind of if the live action show says something different, they kind of have. That yeah, out. they have some wiggle room. Yeah, it's like in in Discovery, Ferenginar seems to be the Ferengi seem to be a Federation member. World. Yeah, They're I mean, that like, makes sense. You know, running around in Starfleet and stuff. Yeah. So it's but, you know, at what point, you know, did that There's take... a ship named after uh, Rom or not Rom, sorry, after uh, Nog. Nog. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, was that like a a five year process or a 500 year process? <laughs> we don't it, it, at some point in that right. timeline, though, it did. It did conclude. And like Ms. Powell family in the chat said it's like joining NATO. So it's like that kind of that sort of feel to it. They do a, a subtle job of showing like the Ferengi reforms, I guess, like started by Zek and then carried out through rom by like you know right off the bat when we we meet i guess rom's uh delegation it's like it's him and uh and three women mm-hmm. that's and true no one no one says anything about it so it's, it's just it's it's subtle but it's like grand niggas zek had a uh, mayhar do as his you know, like bodyguard servant dude and then mm-hmm. rom has like it's like the same species but it's like a like a, a big tall woman instead mm-hmm. of like a, the big tall mayhar do guys so which is cool yeah so it's like the uh quality thing is has taken off uh, unrelated to the Ferengi, but the I like the background kind of wall design. It's sort of uh, like this is what their conference room has this really cool sort of like sculptural wall treatment that looks like kind of like waves and water and something like that. It's it's I thought it was interesting because we don't really see that done in a lot of these. You know, the, it's just a wall or a wall with a screen or whatever. So it's it's kind of cool that it had a, a different look. Jill forty seven, our live audience is saying Chase Masterson's voice has really changed. Max's voice didn't actually sound like Rom lots Did. of the time, but. Your did actually sound like Rom lots of the time, but not hers. I agreed. This is weird to me. I thought they both sounded normal the whole, like, I didn't think of it much the whole time. But I, and I also, like, I've I've rewatched DS9 a lot and a lot lately, because uh, mm-hmm. Dave and I were just covering it. If people want to hear that, you know, go check out earlier episodes of Text Trek. Uh, we covered all seven seasons of that show. But I, I've watched a lot of DS9, and I've also, I, I go to a lot of conventions that Chase Masterson and Max Grudenchik are at. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I see them, like, twice a year, because they're both, like, pretty much always on the Star Trek cruise and always at Vegas. Yeah. So I hear their voices a lot, so maybe that's so maybe why it you, sounded yeah. normal to me. I actually asked Rachel, I'm like, is that really the, their, the, I mean, I knew it was Rom, but it's like, is that really Lita? It's like, so yeah, I, I think what it is is her voice is fairly similar, but it's the intonations and sort of, like, you know, the way she says it, because when we saw that video last night of the Star Trek experience where she was talking um, or I saw it, she did. She just sounded perkier or there's something to do with that sort of Dabo girl sort of thing that she was doing mm. that isn't in this character, which would make sense because she's, you know, matured and not not being all that, you know, 
flirty and you know the way the way her character was sort of in the beginning I, I know that she's voiced lita in star trek online but uh do you know have, have you ever heard her doing like a lot of other voice work other than that not that i know of they're like, I some, may have. like um <laughs> Who knows? some some screen actors it can be harder to uh have like that that same level of of energy in your performance when you have to do it all with your voice it's funny i was just thinking how um have you ever watched any of like the the animated batman and robin stuff that had adam west voicing batman oh yeah i think i have i always feel like he's not he's not as like a uh, entertaining Dynamic. as batman when he can't because he's a very physical actor as batman he'd, al- he'd yeah. always be like you know he'd do the corniest stuff but when you have like bat like a thoughtful batman who's like pondering or he'd be like really expressive with his eyes and stuff and like you know, when you have like Adam West as like a voice actor, he like he doesn't he doesn't feel like as much of his performance can come through, and he's like it almost kind of sounds like he's like phoning in the lines and stuff. It doesn't it doesn't sound like he's not like as as true like diehard Batman as he is is when he's in live yeah. action. So maybe as that could be part of the issue too, is just like not not being able to have that same level of performance in in your your voice only. Yeah, it does seem like she's done um, voiceover work like other well, video games. Oh, okay. Maybe um, she's actually so like really experienced with some like, anime. Like, Luna, Luna Lund, the flower girl, Lund Lund, the flower girl. I don't know what that is. Um, it, it sounds very anime-ish, but I've never yeah. heard of it. Fist, Fist of the North Star. I know that. Like, you know, so there's that's a common one. Yeah. Uh, apparently in a fan film in 2016, Star Trek Captain Pike, <laughs> a Christmas Carol plus zombies in 2015. <laughs> that would be interesting. I want to see what that is. Oh, yeah, I have to check that out this Christmas yeah. season. But anyway, so yeah, so she it looks like she has actually done some other voice work. Just not as much recently. The uh the bust that they try to give the admiral <laughs> and then immediately follow that up with the invoice. But <laughs> it had the, the friend and family discount. Yeah. Which probably means it actually costs more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Because friends and family are, are more difficult to get along with or something. There's like a a, a surcharge or something on Ferenginar. Yeah. Like, oh you made me do business with my with my brother. I don't like him. So it's so cheaper, gotta, but then it yeah. you get that and it just brings it back up to the normal price. That feels like a very Ferengi sort of thing. Yeah, it's all rigged. Uh, the what, what's not rigged though is Commander Ransom being uh, being nice and pulling some strings to yep. give his uh, give his lower deckers some uh, some fun cushy tour guide duty. Where uh, Boimler is going to take the assignment very seriously, and Mariner is going to just hit up all the bars and get drunk and get in fights. And Tindy and Rutherford do the tropey sitcomy yep. secret marriage thing. Yeah, it's like so. Starfleet's going to foot the bill for us, so we go to we can go to many bars, restaurants, bars, restaurants, bars, hotels, pubs, bars, saloons, cantinas, and bars that we want. <laughs> that was really good. Yes, you're getting some free drinks on Ferenginar, which yeah. probably doesn't happen to many people. So yeah, definitely. <laughs> and Ransom is like, take advantage. It's like there's also museums and historical sites, but but yeah, yeah, it's mostly bars. <laughs> so yeah, that was great. I, and I do like that. Because Boimler takes it so seriously, he's like freaking out and runs out the door. And, and does that and guy Ransom's drink a lot like, of coffee? Does he drink a lot of, oh yeah, mm-hmm, tons. <laughs> yeah, I dr- I am literally drinking coffee right now, Aaron. <laughs> as I am most of the time that you're talking to me, probably. I so. had Dr Pepper before, so that's probably why I'm a little bit more blah, 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 than normal. Yeah, I think that if I was doing you know the ups and downs for for Trek culture, I'd put it down here that we didn't get to see like an animated version of Dayton Ward's. Star Trek travel guides because they, they should have had them. that on like a pad or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because these are they, he's he's done two, right? Yeah. Um, Kronos and uh, Vulcan. Vulcan. Yeah. Which are the two most probably most iconic. If there right. was going to be a third one, it would probably be Ferenginar. Maybe. Or Andor. Maybe. 
No, I guess we don't. We don't. I may go there, but it's like not like really a city. City. This would be fun to read the Ferengi. Yeah, and what would be like marketable? Like the Mm -hmm. I I often say the two biggest, most iconic species in Star Trek are Vulcans and Klingons. I think you know they're undisputably one and two. Yeah. Then I think three and four are probably Ferengi and Borg. Mm Hmm. I don't think you don't have a home world. (laughs) The Borg visitor guide would be like, just don't go there. (laughs) Run. Yeah. (laughs) That's just one word. Just run. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I thought I thought that was like, oh, I thought that would have been fun to see that. Uh, did you have any other thoughts on the opening stuff before we uh, we get into like the, the tour guide mission itself on? No, I, I like that it was peppy. It just sort of moved itself along. It didn't there wasn't a lot of, you know, and, and they do a little of seeding of the uh, uh, the theme of the kind of that being that DS9 uh, characters and such, because Mariner's playing with a self-sealing stem bolt. Mm-hmm. So. That's kind to of the point nice where it can't even self seal anymore. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's like, if you don't know Star Trek and you're watching that, or like if it's you know just... Star Trek, but like you don't you don't care about the, those minutia details. Right. It's like oh yeah, that's sci fi setting. People still mm-hmm. bolts, whatever the hell that's the other just hot. Right. It's just like a guy is like, why are you sad, my friend at work? Let me talk. You know. Yeah. But if 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 you pick up on that, it's just like a, a subtle hilarious yeah. gag just casually slipped in, and yeah. Well, it it actually it really works with like the tapestry of how this this episode goes too. It's like it's very nice that kind of like when we had the Orion ship in the beginning of the Orion episode and mm-hmm. kind of carried through. It's just like that was that was nice. Well, on the uh, the tour guide mission stuff, um, you want to talk about like start with like the arrival and then <laughs> Boimler and then Mariner and then we'll save like Tindy and Rutherford for last because that's like the the most meat of it. But the the Ferengi, I guess, like the Ferenginar, like arrival. It, it was cool to see because on DS Nine we would just get like that establishing shot of you know the Ferengi city and like some rain coming mm-hmm. down, and then we would either cut to the the little ass small little set of Ishka's house, oh right, or we would cut to the small little ass set of Zek's throne room, which didn't seem big or very yeah, opulent. You would think it would look like Trump Tower, but you know everything would be like made out of gold and shit. Honestly, the 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 place that they made the the two uh, Ferengi that went through the wormhole and showed up in the Delta Quadrant, the place that they made actually seemed more opulent than mm. than the set that we got on DS Nine. I don't know why, mm. but they have that UPN money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> DS Nine have the direct syndication money. Well, which I think is part zero. of it too is that like it, the rest of the the it was just a, a village basically. So whatever they had seemed that much more opulent mm. than the other people. But yeah, it, it felt like it had a larger space to it. What what I liked most though is that they made it feel like that Ferenginar we we saw like the cheap '90s TV version. Yeah. And but they were able to show they were able to flesh it out. Uncle without Quark's breaking Youth it. Casino. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's just there's so many Sluggo Cola is all over the planet. Yes. You got Umox. There's all kinds of, of dirty stuff. <laughs> Maximum Umox uh, Rub Dungeon. Yeah. <laughs> and the uh, boxes that you put your coins in yes. to pay for things. It's like you see those on everything. And, and Boimler even makes a joke of like, oh, there's the machines that let you pay for the minibar. Oh, there's the machines that let you pay to use the toilet. Oh, there's the machine that lets you pay to use the machines that let you pay to yeah. use the other things. It reminds me of the uh, the little uh, violation things on uh, Demolition Man. Whenever they would swear, it would like st- put out a, you know, a a piece of paper that told told you how much you owed or whatever for swearing. Oh, I need to rewatch that. I've not seen that movie since the nineties. They have these kind of things all over the wall, basically. I so bet it's it, crazy today. Yeah, that's fine. So. Uh, and uh, Miss Miss Powell family, just to briefly yeah. touch back on on Dayton's uh, tra- travel guide books. Yep. Miss Powell family in the live audience is saying they can do Orion too. And yes, now yeah, just one little twenty minute episode of Lower Decks. That, there's enough lore there. I think you can you can build a, a travel guide out of that. Yeah. And they can add some to, you know, just whatever. So, 
I like the idea of, of Boimler just um, being, like, confused by Ferengi TV and just, like, the idea of, like, oh, a, a, a commerce shield seal? What do you call this thing? Like, what? what is, oh, they can just lie to you? <laughs> Unless the term becomes, like, just disconnected from the original meaning, the fact that he doesn't know what a commercial is, but Mariner says that it's on brand for Ferengi does not mix. Like, they have to know what a brand and commercials <laughs> and stuff are, or they don't. They can't, like... Well, oh. she has a Ferengi friend, so she knows. Yeah, the, maybe uh, that's true. She's she's hung out with yeah. Quimp. But I love that. This is this is just the TV thing is funny. Pock and Dar landlord cops. That is that is the yeah. most Ferengi thing. That's uh, it's very topical. Uh, but like they, it's, it's, it's like, great. Sign this, or it's like I'll tell them you supported tenants' rights. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then he dies. Like like yeah. oh I I I am so glad that I was I was swindled by a conniving partner like you. And I've been telling my friends that like I, who don't watch Lower Decks, but who would find this hilarious. I've been telling people like oh yeah, they had on Lower Decks they had like these Ferengi cop landlords. They go around like you know collecting rent and you know arresting people for not paying their pet deposits and getting in shootouts <laughs> with with a dude for having a pet that weighed twenty five pounds. And everyone's like oh my god, that sounds hilarious. So. I would. I yeah. want more Pockendar. I want more yeah. of them. I, well, the like, question I, is, is like, is I wanted to know which one died because I wanted to do like a little poster with, with like you know whoever's revenge, you know, kind of like a, a, a sleazy seventies, you know, whatever. No one yeah. who did the show can tell me which one it is. They're like, I don't know. It's like so. I'm just gonna pick one. <laughs> who yeah, died? That, that happens a lot. Like apparently, like uh, on the on the Simpsons, who are the guys who hang out in in uh, Moe's tavern with Homer? Uh, Carl and Lenny, right? Yeah, are their names. Yep. And one of them's white and one of them's black. And, like, there's people who work on The Simpsons who can't remember which one is Carl, which one is Lenny. Like, I don't know. I don't know one of them is Carl, one of them is Lenny. But don't ask I me which Carl's one. Carl's black and Lenny's white, I think. I'm trying to remember the voice saying, like, Carl. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean that show has, like, a ton of characters. So right. I can't blame the writers for not keeping up. But Lower Decks yeah. is kind of we're, – we're building a, a yeah. pretty large cast. You know, the, they mention a, a Honus and Westlake in this episode. So they're a – Apparently they're a couple. That's kind of interesting. Or could pull off being a couple. Yeah. So it's nice to know that Frankie would not have like a problem with same-sex partners, so that's good. <laughs> the fact that the Cerritos is the horniest but least romantically committed, sh- that that was <laughs> really funny. Yes, yeah. was, but it's true. I didn't think about it, but like, no one is married on the ship. No, we'd never hear about that. I mean, well, the captain is, but he's not there. Right. And I'm glad they didn't use Admiral Freeman in this, because they could have done that. They could have made it like, a, like, oh, Carol is like smarter than her husband. But I'm glad oh, they didn't yeah. do that, because that would have been like another sitcom trope that I wouldn't yeah. want it. Like, like, oh, like it's like the dumb husband type thing. But I am very happy that she is, you know, diplomacy seems to be her thing. If you yeah. notice, like, she's, she definitely, it can get people to change their mind, or at least <laughs> yell them into changing it, or <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I have, I have some thoughts on the on the Freeman uh, storyline, but I'll, I'll save that till uh, till later. In addition to landlord cops, we have uh, the the will they won't they? I think was actually the name yeah. of the the workplace. Basically, the office romance. and friends glued together. It sounds like <laughs> at one point it's like you know um, Boimler says you know it's like uh, it was like being hypnotized or can't, what did you how did you say it's that? like mind control mind control that's right. And Aaron Walke says, well, you remember they actually do have mind control devices yeah. it's like and he doesn't leave like and that's really not boimler it's like it's very possible that he literally got mind controlled by the television which i thought was kind of interesting i mean quark would pull off that type of stuff you know he yeah. rigged his dabo tables he was he, quark is actually a really terrible person <laughs> if, if, if star trek was real life um, i watched the other one that come to quarks quarks is fun that, that was only oh, the, yeah. uh, the beginning and that's the only thing you ever see of them and the rest is just like depressing uh plague on a planet 
uh, stuff. And then the doctor. Yeah, that was the blight episode. The blight. Yeah. Well, that was, they had like that funny scene. It's like, oh well, uh, let's give a Nana and Armin and Avery something to do in this episode. So yeah. they wrote that. <laughs> but yeah, it does. It is kind of a weird. It's like, but, you it's know, that, that's DS Nine in a nutshell. That's yeah. DS Nine in a nutshell. That's like we we do like the the tragic sad story, but there's also gonna be some like goofy Ferengi shit in yeah. there too. But no, I loved it though. It's like the it's like if your little RV retirements are like what aren't off the station's uh, system by the time I get back from the the uh, Gamma Quadrant. I will come to Quarks and I will have fun. <laughs> Clever. He's like, uh, let me help you with that, Chief. <laughs> yeah, Boimler doesn't have like much to do in the episode. No, but he it's funny what he gets though. I think it's, it's... yeah. I was I was happy that they gave him and Mariner both had like a little bit of a backseat. Mariner got like a bit more in this episode, and, and I like the thing that they give her. Yeah. But I I thought it was a good idea to give Tindy and Rutherford a bit more spotlight because Talyn has taken up a lot of a lot of screen time yeah, in the has. first half of the her. season. No, she was not in this episode, and she wasn't in... There's another one she wasn't in. She was not in episode two, right? With Moopsie? She's not oh, in yeah. that one. No. But the other four, and especially last week, she had, last week was the most Talyn-heavy. Yeah. It was the first, I would say, like, Talyn-focused episode, yeah. the first Talyn episode. I think this one was great because it did. It felt like a very ensemble show with this. Yeah. Like, yes, Tendi and Rutherford kind of like the focus, but everybody had something to do, and it was all engaging. I, this, yeah. Yeah, this may be like my favorite episode of the year or the the season so far. Just overall, it's definitely my second favorite. I mean, I love the Orion stuff. Yeah, every time I watch, I say that every, like like, oh, this one's my favorite. No, this one's my favorite. Like, so <laughs> wait till the end of the season. But I really did like it. I just I I kind of wish that like oh, wouldn't it be cool if I was like excited about like the new things? If I was like excited about like I don't know Moopsie or Vaxalon, but like instead it's like oh, you know what I'm for excited about is like going to Orion or going to Ferenginar, but. This is how I am. What do you think about seeing uh, Quimp back? We haven't, we haven't. Seen I was him excited for the, that. Was great. Man, the second episode of the show, yeah. right? He showed up in Envoys, and then that was it until the, now. It's like, oh, I did little hand things. <laughs> <laughs> that was great, yeah. and it really plays up. And this one too, just on the stereotype of Ferengi and how, it, even though yes, they are kind of that type of character, it doesn't mean that they're all like that, and that that's one painted brush of of everything. So I, I like that it. It gave the Ferengi a little bit more texture. Yeah, yeah. Give him like, some, really like some substance, some dimensionality. He's the more normal person of the. He's like yeah. he's he seems like the more relatable, stable, balanced person, and she's the uh, the the weirdo space creature. Basically, the the Ferengi public library is just being, I guess, casinos. <laughs> Nobody's read a book in there for a thousand years or something like that. And then the the biker gang dude that spills his drink on Quimp was also like that, that's just visually funny it's like it's a bit absurdist but i i, I was i was dying uh just yeah. the i guess irony of having like this big intimidating looking you know tough guy but he's so he's so well-mannered he's so polite he's just like oh my goodness he's, he calls mariner madam he's like madam please i'm just trying to enjoy an evening out with my biker gang <laughs> he's a ferengi who's like He's like willing to pay for something. He's like, oh, yeah. oh, I'm so sorry, it's sir. I, I will reimburse you for, for a Ferengi. That's like the that's like the greatest show of of like respect and, yeah. and consideration you could possibly give. This is also like the the largest Ferengi I think we've ever seen, <laughs> just like yeah. in bulk and height. <laughs> oh, the guy, the guy who drags Boimler out of the room at the end. He's oh yeah, he might be a, a bit bigger, but yeah, that, that's definitely an unusual in this episode at least. Or, yeah. To paraphrase uh, a prince, princess bride, um, a a Ferengi of unusual size. 
if you watch uh, TAS, they have it's the Albatross episode, the one where uh, they blame um, McCoy for having spread a, a, a plague. Those characters look very much like if you had just blew Ferengi up and like made them seven feet tall. It's very interesting. They have very similar head shapes and stuff. I love those Albatross guys. I mean, like they're yeah. kind of dickheads. They're kind of just. Like- oh, yeah terrible to to deal with but um they they have like the coolest looking look yeah I I just funny, like, maybe they are related to the ferengi somehow <laughs> i i always think i like that episode more than i do though because i i love their design but then i watch it and i was like oh yeah, yeah this, this season two episodes it's it was kind of like i don't know did not not quite as good as season one the concept was fun and i, I like that uh you know like they try to break uh mccoy out of jail and he's just like no <laughs> just well, I love that for the first time, Spock's not immune. You know, it's yes. like everything, like like Spock in like the original series, like Spock is like <laughs> immune to everything. Yeah, he's like, he's like, well, like Vulcan DNA makes you invincible, to like every disease, every form of radiation, lasers ev- like don't everything. affect us. Yeah, no. <laughs> and so that's like the one time where it's like, oh, being a Vulcan can suck sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't work to your advantage. Yeah. So, or like the the Pirates of Orion, where he had the the blood disease, and everybody else. I think was you fine. mean. The pirates of Orion. Orion, no, but they did say Orion, text-wise. Nobody said Orion. Yeah. Anyway, anyway yes. They'd be like calling you Aaron. Yeah. Well, the fact that the, even the writer has no idea why that happened, and he said he did. It was supposed to be Orions, not Orion. So it isn't like I think at one time Memory Alpha had them as like a different species. It's like no, that's okay. Whatever. <laughs> no. Memory uh, Alpha has some interesting issues. Mem- Memory Alpha writers, they're not um. Well, they, they the, remind the me the brightest stars. Nah, what was the name say. of that that short trek with uh with Saru? They they just make like some really bizarre choices. Yeah, I, they I, put I, those very short treks are on memory. Like those are supposed to be on memory yeah. beta, and like they got those right. on memory alpha. They're the, they they're remind silly me sometimes. I think it's just that like really over like the the stereotype of the nerd who is like just you know like you argue about something till you're blue in the face about like one tiny little thing that doesn't matter. I think sometimes they move into that territory. So. It's like most people are like, okay, whatever, fine. Just put it up there if you want. But yeah, I mean, if they're going to put the very short treks up there, they also had to have like, the commercial from Kentucky Fried Chicken with. Right. Like and- you're going to have like, like Dora the Explorers in a commercial <laughs> with Captain Pike standing on Paramount Mountain. Yeah. Like, does she need a, a memory alpha page now? Like Beavis and Butthead, they're in the, the Star Trek universe now. <laughs> the Reno 911 guy in the short shorts. Oh, yeah. Anyway, but yes. Uh, But the, the, the scene I keep talking about, like the 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 quimp moment, where yes. it's like, yeah, someone really needed to tell this to Mariner. So mm-hmm. I'm glad. Oh yeah, she had a friend back in season one that they can bring back to give her some some advice. You know, the, yeah, truth hurts, but she needed to hear yeah. it. But yeah, basically, like Mariner, you're you're in this this constant state of rebellion and immaturity, and you need to grow up and move on. And uh, these the writers of the show are trying to give you some character development, so you need to just accept that and yeah, grow. Like, Damn it. That would be hilarious if he said that. <laughs> trying to give you character development. It is hilarious that the Dominion War Memorial yes. is a memorial to lost profits from yeah. the war. So much profit loss. <laughs> I mean, like the galaxy is unfair. <laughs> what Mariner says about, like, the Ferengi really do keep it on brand. Like, yeah. the... Uh, the the lower deck writers really were able to. Co- oh, yeah, what's like the Ferengi version of a library? What's the Ferengi yeah. version of of television? What's the Ferengi version of a of a war memorial? So, yeah, they they do keep it on brand without doubt. And Sluggo Cola is like Coca Cola because it's everywhere. <laughs> but that's how like if a, if an alien came to Earth, you would see the Coca Cola logo every, yeah. everywhere. Like yep. pretty you know pretty much 
no matter what country you live in, you're, you're gonna like, oh. constantly see that Coke logo. Yeah, I was like, do you do you worship at this Coca Cola or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> you're like the McDonald's arch. That's a pretty yeah. common one. Jill wants to know is it made from actual slugs? I think it is. I can't remember. The um, yeah, that Ferengi do. They they eat bugs, so I would assume that there's slug matter of some form in there. <laughs> when she uh, first met Quimp, she was at, they were at the uh, if you saw the the reversed glass, it was the grub brunch. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> when they were setting up the uh, the buffet on the uh, on the USS Toronto, they mm-hmm. had a uh, they had like a lot of like normal Earth looking food, and they have like they even brought back the uh, the the cheese board that Boring. shaped like the the ship. Yeah, um, but they they also had uh, some. Fringy worms in a bowl uh, for the for their guest for yes. for Rom, I guess. So I thought that was uh, that. considerate. Uh, I wonder if anyone like chewed them up. Like, do they uh, have like Bajoran food there? I wonder that we would notice for for oh, Lita. Yeah, does like yeah make some hasperat for Lita? Yeah, that would that would have been nice. Did you have any any other thoughts on the the Mariner and Quimp stuff or the Boimler stuff before we go into the the Tindy no, and I, Rutherford stuff? I think I'm good. It's like yeah, I just I hope that they. You know, and, and this was necessary, but I hope now it's less necessary all the time. She needs to move forward a little bit. It's just me as as an audience member, like I just I feel better if there's like if I have like concerns or something, and if like, if the writers can just like signal to me that like yes, we see this, we're doing right. something on it. I yeah. I'm I can be a very patient yeah. viewer, probably more so than a, a lot of people. It, it sounds like sometimes, but yeah, like I I can I kind of like that process, of just like enjoying the ride and uh, and seeing where things go. I just don't want it to be like, oh, suddenly she's like season two Mariner again or something. Like, because I yeah. think that was our our concern actually moving into season two. It felt like she had lost some of the gains of the she made throughout the first season, and then it kind of rebuild. It's like, okay, Jesse and I were talking about that at one point. Um, so it's good to see her still moving forward. I don't know where it's. I don't know what like the end game for Mariner. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, like Tindy and Boimler. You know, they want to be captains. You know, Rutherford. He's he just wants to do engineering shit. I don't know what like the end of, of Mariner would be. Yeah. I, um, Hmm. But I'm okay with, uh, she with could not become knowing. like a captain again, like her friend who like leveled up really quickly. Um, who came in, she was just like, wait, you're a captain already. But yeah, I mean, something, maybe something like that. Maybe she'll, or who knows? Maybe she becomes a, something completely different that we wouldn't guess. I, I do wonder like maybe someday, like, Boimler and Mariner, like one of them is a captain and one of them is like the XO to that one, but I don't know who would make more sense to be which one. Uh, I, I don't know, but um, yeah, we'll find out hopefully in a, hopefully in a, a season seven of Lower Decks. Yes, I suppose after this we can address that that uh, article that came out too, and kind of talk about that briefly at the end. The clickbaity article. <laughs> sure. Um, the Loeb's Lodge stuff with Tindy and Rutherford, you know, secretly <laughs> pretending to be married to get the, I don't know, the, the couple discount. And I guess like the, the honeymoon experience, Superman too, like you were saying, I knew <laughs> it was familiar. Like it was very specifically something. It's like, oh yeah, that's what it, that was like to save money too. Wasn't it? Wasn't that like a, I like the daily so. planet could only afford like one room or something. I don't oh know. yeah. It was the seventies. Everything was a mess. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, then they have their, uh, I guess like our antagonist of the episode is their their Hugsier, Parth, <laughs> who's like, you know, he's just doing his job. He's yeah. just trying to. He's not really an antagonist. That... He just like, it's their, the society is the antagonist, actually. Their their sexy photo shoot. Yeah. Tendi looks good, though. Like that dress is. They did, yeah, they no, Tendi's gorgeous. And the, uh, the, 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 that dress is an incredible design. Whoever, yeah. um, whoever did that. Uh, bravo. 
and it's very spacey. It's like a black dress with like white stars right. on it. Yeah. <laughs> I so this is one of my favorite parts. <laughs> Aaron, uh, tell me about Star Trek: The Experience. Like you, you, you went to it, right? Like no, you, you had, I twice, twice tried to go there and never Damn. made it. Like the first time we arrived and it hadn't opened in what was supposed to have been. I guess we just got the wrong information. It was not the internet was not as what it was today. And then the second time I was going to go and I ended up in the hospital, so did not get to go. Um, but it was a like um, in Vegas, it was a promenade, part of a hotel, I think. But they had uh, the Borg experience. You basically you you get uh, kidnapped by the Borg when you're on on a shuttlecraft going into the Enterprise D, and they have a walkthrough of that. And yeah, like um, interactive rides. Yeah, that, like, and made the, you made you feel like you were in the 24th century. And around and you know in the area where you're just eating and stuff, they have people playing those characters. So kind of like if if anybody had ever seen like at Comic-Con or here in LA, the 10 forward experience thing that they did, they basically had a handful of people improving and, and walking around and being characters and interacting with the people. So I think that was a big part of that because yeah, when we watched the video for the, the last night, which was like actually makes you cry, <laughs> it like tears up from like watching all the, the people who really loved to be there and kind of found it like their home. And then it, you know, had to close down, but this is a very, faithful recreation of the feeling of it i think because it was open from like the like 99 to 2008 like 2009 i think so yeah it was a long time 10 years yeah and somehow i didn't manage to get there i beat myself up for that sometimes yeah i hate myself for not going like um i will uh i was i was i wanted to wait until like i turned 21 and i turned 21 and then i was like well i'll put it off a few more years and then yeah i just waited too long Maybe one day they'll bring something like it back. Yeah, I hope so. Well, if they keep making Star Trek, maybe. But uh, Tindy and Rutherford uh, don't do too great at, at Quark's uh, Federation experience or Starfleet experience. They say both. Like maybe it'll be like being so at work. One, <laughs> that was funny. The, uh, the the little chocolate statue, sexy chocolate statues they have to eat of each other, and then like the the lie detector thing. They have to they have to say things they find attractive about each other, and the chairs yeah. can tell if you're lying. That actually would be like a fun thing to do. Like it made me think, like, oh, this is why like we have weddings, so people could be like, look how much I love this person, and we just want to show all of y'all. And it's like, I don't know. And I'm kind of an attention you, to make sure you actually are in life. I, I want to be in the uh, in like the spotlight, and I don't know, being like asked a bunch of questions. But that's just that's just me. The heart things, how they like they have like the the heart is the universal symbol of love, as Tindy says in this episode. That was weird to me. Like, why? Like, human hearts don't even look like that shape. It's just like a weird ass shape that we made up on our planet. But why? Why would the Ferengi have yeah. any conception of this of this design yeah. of a of a heart? Yeah, as a symbol know. of love too. And yeah, especially like even in our own history, the, the heart wasn't the place of like it was. There were different places. One's like the gut. I mean, there's different places where like where where you're the love center of like the the brain and the the heart not the heart but the the love feeling yeah. was at i think it's been different throughout time so why on a completely other planet it yeah i don't know the 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 heart-shaped heart i don't know the maybe the it's from the that, the but... uh the the people that the the cedar race that put it across the galaxy it's a, oh, something from, built from into our chase? genetics yeah okay so every yeah, I, I like that idea that, like, every Star Trek alien race has that idea of that's what a heart looks like, even though no one's heart actually looks like that. <laughs> Maybe it's like, so it it's, it, it's this uh, gl- galactic thing that keeps people, to, you know, it's supposed to help them integrate and be uh, 
be better neighbors or something. I don't know. What what I want to know though is at Star Trek the Experience did for security, did they have people in like TNG era Starfleet security uniforms? Because that would have been pretty funny. They did have TNG. Yes, I think Bonnie Gordon was one of them at one point. And they had also people in DS9 uniforms, but I don't know if they were congru- congruent or if it was. Oh. Well, they could like, be. There's, there's it could be. universe at the same yeah. time. That's why I knew that she would be really excited about this, this Easter egg because she worked at the Star Trek experience. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what all exactly in this episode was like a reference to that. But like, I know like a lot like the, the model ships and stuff like that. Oh, we'll yeah. talk about it some in the in the in the Gorn eggs. But um, it, it was it was definitely fun to see. And I was thinking like, oh, yeah, the, the there is like kind of like that group, like the experienced people, because there were people who, who who would go a lot. And oh, yeah. They lived there practically. Yeah. And I'm sure like, you know, they, they, that was like their cheers. That's like, you know, someplace, mm-hmm. sometime you want to go someplace where everyone knows your name, all that shit. So it's like, imagine if like they their, did their like a Star Wars thing out. like this and oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. This would not have done very well if it was $6,000 for two days or whatever. That's insane. Yeah. I think, I think a more accurate comparison would probably be not like their, I don't know, their weird cruise ship hotel that's not actually a ship. That's what I mean. That's what I'm talking the, about. The fake it's ship. Like, but yeah. No, but not, not so much that, but. Instead, like their Millennium Falcon thing that they have at, at Disneyland and Disney World, yeah. which I've never, I've never gone to, but I don't know. I think people like I've heard good stuff about it. And Miss Pell says, "Yes, there were TNG uniforms. You are taking a tour when you get beamed up to the ship for quote unquote real." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen video of that. It's supposed to be like a really good effect, though. It felt like it. The uh, the the Maglimo stuff, though, like it, it cracked me up though when because it, it is like so stupid. Like no one would ever say like the line that he says, but when he's when Rutherford and Tindy are, are like, you're worried about like they're going to be shoved into like the shuttlecraft, and then Maglimo is just like, oh, Devana, Samanthan, what a coincidence. They're yeah. famously the two closest platonic friends on my ship. Like, no one would ever like say no. hi to their friends that way. But I think they're, because they, like they, they kept things, um, they, they kept things from like going like that overboard stupid territory too much. Well, I almost surprised that they didn't do something at the end where they're back on the ship and he's just like, still thinks that they're, that this was a real thing that was happening or something like that, you know, like follows them around and like, I don't know. Do you really like me? He seems that dumb, unfortunately. <laughs> the the biker gang Ferengi, when he's like, Madam, yeah. please. And I'm like, I felt like he was believable yeah. enough that yeah. like when they, when they kind of, you know, do cross the line here, it's like, well, it's like the one time they do it. So, it, but it, it made me laugh just like the, and, and I love how terrible of actors Rutherford and Tindy are. Like, they, they're like, they cannot, like, when they're like, we got married at a wedding and yes. stuff like that. And then here, when they're trying to yeah, pr- like, have a, a pretend divorce to their pretend marriage. <laughs> Mariner at the beginning is like, excellent QC speech. Uh, nice and natural. Definitely yeah. the way people talk. <laughs> that was funny. It, but it's like, this isn't even how divorces work. You just, no. you just don't, don't like declare like, I'm divorced. We'll go back to the ship and never talk again. <laughs> Let's. I don't Maybe know. in like, other cultures, you, that's how you do it. Well, they, they did. But Klingon, remember that she like she said a few things and like bit his ear or whatever, and then it was done. That's true. That's true. That's I guess for some for some cultures that is how it works. Yeah. And Maglimo talking like the homewrecker package. Just the fact that like that's even like that that was a thing at the restaurant is funny. <laughs> yeah. And, and then and Maglimo's like ex- excitement about like oh let's do this thing. He's like, you don't have yeah. to throw up in my mouth twice. Yeah. <laughs> I had a good time with that, and and like I was saying, like I I do feel like. Tindy and Rutherford have gotten a little less screen time with the addition of Talyn. Talyn had a, a great big episode last week, so it made total sense to do a, a lot of uh, yeah. Tindy and Rutherford spotlight now. I, I agree with you, Aaron. It does feel ensemble 
I feel like everyone is is it's pretty well balanced. Yeah, and it didn't feel like Chalin not being there didn't feel like oh they left somebody out just because the yeah. last episode felt very like tilted towards her. So mm-hmm. anyway. yeah, we've gotten a lot with her, and yeah, the, the command crew have really shined a lot this season. You, you've pointed out how uh, ran- we've gotten to you know know Ransom a bit more, and just like oh he's just like the meathead, yeah, who, you know wants to be buff. He's the total package. <laughs> That was funny. But yeah, like he wants to be like a good mentor. Like he's, yeah. you know, he's invested in his crew. He, he he wants to be friends with his, with Shax and Kayshawn and. Yeah, he's, he's be- learning um the. Tamarian language. Tamarian, thank you. Like I kept, they're Darmakian. I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> but yeah, it's cool that he's actually putting in, putting in the work to be a friend. I like seeing uh Shax and Tiana as more of a, more of a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Freeman's been great this season. I, I kind of feel like all the, uh, all the senior officers have really s- Stood out. I do agree that Maglimo does seem like he sucks at his job. (laughs) And that is kind of unfortunate. Well, even from the beginning, he kind of seems like it. Because the whole thing with the food metaphors. And even the captain was, like, frustrated with him. Which is kind of a joke in that, like, I don't think TNG often handled uh, (laughs) Troy as, like, a ship counselor well. And you can make the the argument. best counselor of the time. Yeah, you you make the argument that that Troy maybe, like, wasn't, like, if people wanted, like, real advice, they went to the bar and talked to Guinan. True. Not the therapist. (laughs) So, I do feel she was a little bit more competent than the Malignant. Why can't I say his name tonight? Whatever. The bird guy. And the, and some people pronounce it Miglimo, and some people Miglimo. pronounce it Miglimo. And I go back and oh, forth myself. Yeah. I don't, I've heard it pronounced on the show, I think, both On ways. the show, they say it both. Yeah. Which somebody, sometimes that happens in Star Trek. Say, we'll have to ask, ask somebody who works on the show at some point. How are you supposed to say this name? Do you have anything else on the Ferenginar mission stuff, though? Before no, we talk about think, a Freeman and the yeah negotiations. Yep, I like you was concerned with Rom's stupidity right off the bat. No pun intended, but right off the right. bat, he was, he was <laughs> like, "Oh, is this is this going to be like lower decks, Rom? Is he going to be this dumb?" But then, yeah, that's what I was a little concerned about. And then I was like, "Oh wait, they're doing something." Yeah, <laughs> I figured it out when Freeman figured it out. Like when mm-hmm. she's like, "Wait a minute, Admiral, it's obvious what they're trying to do here." What, what did she call it? A uh, dumb cop. Good, dumb cop. Good cop. What was the or- other one? Dumb cop, good cop, dun dun cop, bad cop. I don't know. Like, some, I, dumb cop, reasonable cop. That was it. Yeah, the dumb cop, reasonable cop routine. Also, something no one is, no one would ever say that, but <laughs> it's funny to hear. Like, yeah, kind of like I kind of like Lita just being like, oh look, you know, my husband. He's just, he was like the dumb bartender yeah. on DS Nine. Just just let him <laughs> feel involved and. And and uh, it, it's the very lower deck story though, uh, mm-hmm. Aaron, because like the 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 frequent story in lower decks is like you know it takes the the people at the bottom too. It takes like the whole ship. It takes right. you have to you have to honor and respect and celebrate everyone's function uh, from the top of the totem pole on down to the bottom. And here's just kind of like the higher level of that, where you know the admiral really needed the captain, and she's yeah, she, that's true. He should have uh, he he should have been more receptive to what she was trying to tell him, and, and things might have gone like a little. At least smoother. at the end, though, he does apologize, and he I does. That yeah. was really good. That, that he I, I love like, that. Like I can't believe you did that, and walked away or whatever, like some some pompous thing. So that was nice. Yeah, Vassery's not a um not a bad moral. He's kind no. of a he's kind he's of a goofball, a, but yeah, <laughs> he's just sort of an incompetent mole <laughs> that doesn't work. And it's kind of like the DS9 quote of Cisco, you know, like, it's easy to be a saint in paradise. If right. you if you do, like, if you're from Earth and you just grew up in Federation society where everything is, like, all well, you nice would think that they would, Yeah, you would think that this should be really easy. Yeah, and, and, like, you probably, like, you don't have, like, the good, like, uh, you know, negotiating skills and stuff. That's and, it, yeah. you know, like, conniving Ferengi might be, like, um, they might, you, you might be a little, like, unprepared for, uh, 
for whatever they're gonna you know you're not used to dealing with shifty people and stuff so it would be cool if they bring it brought it into here but um in the books uh do you remember the neutral zone episode of tng where they had all the people from the 20, 20th century people. Yeah. The Oppenheimer, the guy who was like, what are, my, what are my stocks doing or whatever? He becomes Earth's ambassador to Ferengi, to Ferenginar in these books. Which I was like, that's a perfect person to be that. Oh, yeah. Does he, he get to live on Ferengi? Is he like a like an embassy like on Ferenginar? He might like, be, yeah. Like He'd, it, probably, he'd probably be happier there. A- yeah. Like in places, I, I saw him, they were like in a neutral place where it was... I think they were talking about the the score or the Aurelian actually coming into the Federation. This was a party they were at, which I think is kind of funny. But uh, yeah, so it would be cool to see Oppenheimer like back in there. Like the actors still around. Hmm. But yeah. Anyway, sorry. No, that's great. Uh, I I've never heard of that, so I love knowing that Freeman's uh, idea, her little contingency of if, if <laughs> that was great. Ranganar is the is to get this billion bars of latinum they have to bring in a single use any ship even if they don't join the federation (laughs) that was weird (laughs) that's like a really good deal for them because like another concern i had was like okay i figured it out like rom's not that dumb they're trying to you know negotiate a better deal then i was kind of like would rom actually try to like you know like one up the mm. federation wouldn't he would like by this point isn't rom a nice enough guy that he'd be like you know what this is a fair deal i think i think i think this is this is a, you know i'm not gonna make you like dance for me like that, that's cruel but so i guess the, because it's part of the culture maybe like i think that yes he's progressive but the role may have also changed him a little bit too like brought him more back to being you know because he has to deal with the average ferengi <laughs> person who wasn't instantly changed like he was or didn't have his same mindset well, what made me feel better, though, was when Rom was basically like, oh, yeah, I'll just sign, like, the standard paper. Yeah, just, yeah that was nice. It, it was, was like, all like a, it was all a test for you. Yeah, they tossed the, the other thing out and just used the standard uh, whatever. He uses his finger and draws in it, like, when you sign for a, a check or a, sign a, a grocery store or whatever when you use your finger. It was, yeah, it was funny how he was, but, like, we, like, write on, like, phones and tablets and, you know, touch screens like right, that. Right, that's what our, I mean. It was very fingers, much like that. So it's like, yeah. it's, it, it's Like, at your convention and you use your square swipey thing or whatever and you sign like <laughs> just that i was almost thinking like uh it looks kind of silly you know to see like a head of state signing like an important document like that but i mean like <laughs> like i i was like signing like the paperwork for like my mortgage with like a, like on my phone like yeah. writing my name with my finger like Which, that basically so everybody like, looks like we're like don't know how to write too it's like you, if you like, print it out and be like that's not my signature oh yeah we, we do sign important documents yeah electronically like this so it's that's not as a uh, not as silly as it appears. No, I'm surprised they didn't have like a thumb something like you then add in your like bio signature or something. I don't know, but maybe they do. He's still a baseball enthusiast. Max Gridenchik is uh, in real life. He he played baseball as a kid and yeah, it was really good. Like his like his. He, it was hard for him to pretend to be bad. <laughs> like he in Deep Space Nine might have played a yeah like he either like played in college or played like in minor league for a little bit or like considered oh. like he had like a. He was good. Like he was like that good. He could play on like a collegiate level or a professional level. He considered a career in baseball before he became an actor. Well, I'm glad and he became an actor. Yeah, it's hard to imagine anyone else playing. No one else would have done like that. Moogie. <laughs> like that was a, that was Max Grudenchik. Oh, he was in a short-lived British science fiction show, a game show called Space Cadets in 1997. I have to look that up. I have never That's heard of that. He lives in Europe now. He's in Austria, so he's oh really? Wow, yeah, you know, a bit of an international man, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think he's from like the New York area. Yeah, he's he's got to be or somewhere in the Northeast. Uh, yeah, he was born in New York City. Okay, nineteen fifty-two. But yeah, the uh, the application is signed. They get to go play. I'm sure like the admiral had fun with Rom in the batting cage, and uh, yeah, 
I guess Freeman got to keep the bust, but instead of her putting it on her shelf with all of her collectibles, she throws it in the trash can. <laughs> Maybe it's some sort of like it just it, it quantum saves it or something like that. Oh, it's yeah, so the really quantum archive, like Picard. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he put it in the quantum archive. Did you have anything else on like the the B story with uh, with Freeman and Rom? No, I'm just I'm just really glad that they they let Freeman do her thing and and be smart and and then also have the admiral not be a, an ass about it. So yeah. Yeah, and she was the lower decker of of this yeah. like subplot. We've no, that's happened a couple times, which I, I appreciate. I mean, the the California class is the the lower deckers to the mm-hmm. other ships too. So we kind of got a whole ship of people that are like in that position. Which really isn't that weird for Star Trek, because going all the way back to the original series, you know, Kirk would get like orders he didn't like from yeah. you know all these diplomats and officials and uh, commodores, and it's like yeah, like you know, sometimes the uh, the people up top don't know what's going on, and yeah. You got to step up. Always been part of Star Trek, but it's Lower Deck's uh, kind of primary focus and kind of their their mission statement. And, yep. and I like it. So then our, our ending, our ending wrap up, uh, Mariner is hungover. Uh, Tindy <laughs> and Rutherford are going to go back to being platonic. And then yeah, Boimler right. has to get drug away from the TV. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Tindy and Rutherford stuff, like, where do we, I don't know. So do we agree? Like, they clearly do have, like, romantic feelings for each other, but are they just I'd say they have chemistry, and I don't know if they even know if they have romantic feelings. There's like they're definitely that at ease with each other, and I think the ending here just sort of leaves it a little bit more vague, so people can decide. Mm-hmm. Like it, it doesn't doesn't solve that that question, but it, it it moves them further along of being really close. So and physically as well as uh, you know uh, emotionally. I guess there is like an argument to be made of like, oh yeah, it is cool to see like, you know, a guy and a girl be like these like super close platonic friends. Like we don't, we see that sometimes, but not like. But that's Boimler and, and Mariner. But that's Boimler and Mariner. So like, yeah. why do we need to do that twice on the right. show? Like I like, like they were saying, like this is the least romantically committed ship, you know, that we've ever seen. Let's like, let someone couple up. Besides well, maybe Jackson to coming up to that point, or maybe they'll introduce like a, a you know, like a, a one-off character who is becomes one of those Pearson's like you know love interest or whatever and the other person gets jealous probably Tendi because the way she did that one time um and just basically then expresses her feelings for Rutherford or vice versa yeah or, or do you like something like short term like remember in like what's it like season three of of Buffy when like she had like a boyfriend for like three episodes then he just oh like, yeah they broke up and he's just gone it's like let's just oh let's do like a short I guess also- we did that with Jennifer we had like a short-term romance there yeah. but yeah, like do like some more like um stuff like that. I think would would be yeah. fine. Eight hours of Ferengi television, like it really did uh, mess up Boimler. You know, uh, speaking of your 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 thought control brainwashing theory, mm-hmm. just like how distressed he looks and just yeah. kind of like his bloodshot eyes. I think he might have been under the influence of something unnatural yeah. to his body. That that might make sense. In eight hours, you shouldn't look like that after watching eight <laughs> hours of TV. That's pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, part of that might be just like animation coding of like how but, yeah. how do you show someone like right in in distress but but like what, is, uh, he have, is his clothes he, he took his pants off and he's in like his tidy whiteies and he's got okay, one boot but, off and one boot on but no almost, pants on i guess i'd have to blow, brighten it up oh okay i thought it's like his pants were ripped with his by the boot or whatever i was just like what happened but no he's he also eating chips ferengi bugs out that of chinese food containers yeah. and drinking sluggo cola so no telling what's in his body right now but you know, when when Ransom tells him, uh, you know, I authorize the local authorities to drag you out, just go limp. And I, li- I like that line. I really like that lieutenant there at the end because it's like it would have felt too mean if it didn't have that. But I think that I think that correct. Yeah, it. that made it that made it perfect. 
Uh, is Sluggo addictive? I don't remember. Ms. Powell is asking. I'm like, I don't remember. They don't say it is that, that I recall, but I'm I'm sure. I mean, yeah. It's like if, if, if caffeine's like, addictive, or like, <laughs> I mean, technically, like Earth Coke is addictive to like Coke is unlike Coca Cola, not cocaine, although both right. addictive. So <laughs> <laughs> one is more socially acceptable. Uh, very much, and also legal. <laughs> yes. So I love that ship too. The, the, the Toronto's nice. Oh yeah, the Toronto is the uh, it's the ship class we've seen before. Parliament oh. class, right? Yeah, I have one of those in my uh, starship collection. And so uh, it's one of my favorites of the uh, the modern era of Trek. But um, that's the uh, the end of the episode. So I don't know, yeah. Aaron, if you have any final thoughts before we go into the Gornig section of the show. I really liked it. It was a great ensemble show. Uh, it moved some character plots along, and and it was just. It was fun. It was like a, a romp in some ways. Like, yeah, yeah. Some of the ideas were a little silly, but you know, I think it worked. Yeah, it was. Um, it, it, yeah, the return of the, uh, to Ferenginar was was a big selling point for me. Obviously, however, the I love these characters and the stuff that they did with with Tindy and Rutherford was fun. The mm-hmm. stuff that they did with uh, with you know Freeman, I thought like, oh, that, that was cool. Like, let me root for that character and show her yeah. being good at her job. She's not always good at her job, but I like when she is. <laughs> Well, nobody's always good at their job. Yeah, that's realistic. And then the uh, the, the Mariner and Quimp stuff, I I like that as well. So very good. As for the uh, the Gorn eggs, these are our, our Easter eggs, in jokes, and continuity connections that uh, we thought were worth mentioning. But you were asking about the the title, Aaron uh, mm-hmm. Parth Ferengi's Heart Place. I had never heard about this until about twenty four hours ago. There is, I guess, a British TV show called Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Is that called something else in America? Because I feel like I've seen that on Sci-Fi Channel or something, but not with that name. Perhaps. I don't know. I don't know anything huh. about Garth Marenghi or their Dark Place. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who Dark... Uh, Garth? Garth Mar- The only Garth I know is like Garth Brooks. Like, I don't, I don't know Garth, Garth of I- Azar or Izar. <laughs> oh, yeah. Garth Izar. Yeah. Only Garths I know are... I, I know... The one in Wayne's World, the one from Izar, and then the the one who makes country songs. I don't. It's I don't a know. horror parody show, okay. apparently. Now, if anyone has uh, checked it out, let me know. Uh, we also get a uh, we got a Genesis device. Yes. Uh, well, no, it's not. It's not the Genesis device that we saw in Rathacon. This is the no. the newer miniaturized version that terraforms. I assume like they found a way to do it without proto matter. So uh, probably not as a not as a quick and fancy as it was in Rathacon, but also like actually stable now so yay yeah uh, we get several rules of acquisition in this episode so the uh 60 second rule of acquisition from the, the opening on the ferengi ship uh, the riskier the road the greater the profit mm-hmm. they had mentioned that a couple times in ds9 there's a 10th rule that freeman tries to mention but, but she's interrupted by admiral vassery when she's trying to say like no, like this is going to be harder to, to deal with than you think you know the ferengi are they, they can they're known for being you know tough negotiators and she's she tries to say the 10th rule the actual 10th rule is greed is eternal so she's mm-hmm. trying to say like you know one of one of the rules of acquisitions is greed is eternal i don't think it's all you know you're saying these are a you know newer different better ferengi but you know one of the rules is still greed is eternal so it makes sense she would bring that up and then the the eighth rule we get at the end this is a new one so i love this i love that lower decks gave us a new rule of acquisition eighth rule uh small print leads to large risk it's actually in one of the books or the uh i believe the the rule of acquisition book that you could get i think it's actually it's never been oh. in canon but it's actually in a, in a book 
Oh, that's cool. I have that. Um, that's weird that they they added one in that because it used to like because it has like a lot of blank numbers in there. I also did the the fake uh, rule of acquisition. It was like ten after the last one, or we're about uh, branding and Twitter. It's like we're, the Frankies still call it Twitter because a um, what was it? A a brand is a treasure that's that is too valuable to bury for for. Um, fleeting profit. <laughs> and Jill forty seven and the live audience is letting us know that Garth Marenghi's oh. Dark Place is included with Prime. So, okay. Uh, if anyone's curious, uh, feel free to check it out that way. Cool. Uh, Aaron mentioned the uh, the USS Toronto is the Parliament class. the uh, The last Parliament class we saw was the uh, U- USS Vancouver. So named after a Canadian city is one where they make lower decks and one is where they make uh, Strange mm-hmm. New Worlds and Discovery and Short Trek sometimes and probably the Section 31 movie that'll probably start shooting very soon with a one one strike ended and the other likely to end within yeah. days. Hopefully. Also, the, the Moab 4 Dome, that's from the, the TNG episode, uh, Masterpiece Society. Uh, Rom and Lita from DS9, obviously. Uh, returning legacy characters. Oh, Quimp reveals that Mariner at one point crashed an Oberth ship. Yeah. So that's the USS Grissom from Search for Spock. Oh. These things blow up that. all the time, though. There's, uh, there's a couple that blow up on TNG. There, I mean, like that one gets hit by one torpedo from a bird of prey that wasn't even trying to destroy it, and it blew up. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's, it's like the, take a lot. Uh, the Pinto of, of, of spaceships. It really is. Yeah, I feel sorry for the, for the Oberth, but it's kind of a... I don't know. It's kind of like a little cute design. It also looks kind of like stupid and ugly. It's, I don't know. It just looks, it's just like a little dumb ship that gets blown up a lot. And I, I feel sorry for it, but also I think it's kind of like dumb and kind of, I feel sorry for it, but kind of dislike it at the same time. <laughs> That's my feelings on the Oberth. Uh, moving on. Mariner orders a dagger of the mind. Yeah, that's. A title. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. They've done that a couple times where it's just like, I don't know how she would know that. <laughs> but that, that sounds like it'd make like a good drink. Oh, yeah. Dagger no, of the totally. mind. So I, I'm sure that that will now be a cocktail at uh, at conventions. And or on it'll be and on, stuff. In, on next week on in the, the social media or something like that. Yeah. Or like in the, the, the next version of the cocktail book they put out. Yeah. And Rom's throne room looks like Zex throne room. <laughs> yeah. So good use of continuity there. And then uh, also the Ferengi cop, security guard, whoever. I guess he's like hotel security. Like yeah. He comes in with the whip to uh, remove Boimler from, I guess he's in there past his checkout time. Marauder Mo, Quark's little Ferengi action figure had a whip, and then they had whips in Enterprise, and they went back to the 22nd century and showed us those Ferengis. So Ferengis, they, they whip ass, literally. <laughs> Aaron's been uh, putting out these uh, short, videos with a focus on different easter eggs every week and then here's uh, a highlight of some of the the stuff going on in boimler's hotel room what are gorn eggs they're easter eggs in jokes and continuity connections we feel are worth pointing out when boimler drops off his bags at his room at lobe's lodge there are two pieces of decor that are more than what they seem first the wall art just above the bed is based on the paramount logo by the way the bed has a lobe-shaped headboard and the view screen is a giant CBS eye. It feels appropriate to have all of his branding show up on Ferenginar. Bonus observation, Ferenki credits run from the top of the screen to the bottom, whereas Earth credits run bottom to top. Tune in to Drawn to Trek for more Gorneggs. Friday, we're live at 7 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Pacific, and Monday's the audio version wherever you find your podcasts. I had fun with that. <laughs> yeah, no, that is a lot of fun. That was cool how they they snuck in the CBS logo and the yeah. Paramount logo and apparently a lot of people didn't notice the CBS logo 
I didn't notice it until you pointed it out to me, but I think I I might have caught it if I had a yeah. I I watch these so many times. I typically watch one of these episodes four times. Yeah. So Aaron and I uh, had a lot of fun with this episode. It sounds like so y'all heard us talk about it for an hour and a half. <laughs> uh, I, I'd love to hear what y'all think about it. So if people would like to, you know, share your thoughts with us, you can um, reply to uh, to me on Twitter or Blue Sky. I like to ask uh, fans what they think there. Or and I think you know, I've got a couple from uh, Drawn to Trek as well about this week's episode. There's there's links to the Text Trek Discord server where you can talk to us there. But if anyone wants to share, you know, some some responses, we might uh, bring those up next week. And we got some uh, feedback from last week's episode, Empathological Fallacies, with the Betazoid ladies. <laughs> and so on uh, on Star Trek Twitter, uh, Wayne Bodo said, I laughed more during this episode than any other this season. I laughed a lot last week, but I think I might have laughed more this week. I think this might have been, like, the most laughs I had. But I don't know, Aaron. What about, um, like, what, what episodes different give, humor. make you laugh the most? I think it's, like... It's different. I feel like those two are kind of like on equal footing about what was funny, but funny for different reasons. Like the funny haha is like the last episode. And this is more funny, like experience, like, oh, that's cool. I remember that thing. So that's that's my opinion. And uh, on YouTube, opinions no one cares about. He said that he, uh, he liked the episode overall. Um, now, I, I asked him to follow up because last week he said that he had some concerns about like the, the B plot in some of the episodes this season, um, mm. not not really uh, working. And he, did, he didn't like the Mark Twain B plot, if I recall correctly, from uh, episode <laughs> four. But uh, Opinions goes on to say it's it's the uh, it was the first episode since the beginning of the season to actually balance the A and B plots. Opinion also says that. that he thinks the season can only get better from here. Historically, Lower Decks does tend to have really strong second halves of the season. And there's like the um, one, what, two before the ending or whatever, that's like the, the breakaway episode. Yeah, Not like eight. typically around like episode seven or eight, they do they yeah. do something big. That's where we got a crisis point the first year. What happened? I'm a little sad there's only four left and then we'll I know. be back on a hiatus. Like, uh, you know, I like this being like the weekly routine of like a new episode. And uh, we all got like this new thing to pay attention to and talk about for just one week. And then it's on to the next thing. And then and then it stops after 10 weeks, or nine well, weeks this time. But with Drawn to Trek, since we're in the 50th anniversary of TAS, I'm going to kind of kind of bring it back to that. Kind of dive into that a little bit. Yeah, so that's that's exciting. So looking forward to whatever happens with uh, with Drawn to Trek in the post Lord X season four days. Also on YouTube, uh, we were talking about the tarot cards in the episode last week. Uh, Tom Brewer, 6024, said, In regards to the tarot talk, there are actually 78 cards in a full deck. Major Arcana is a 22-card subset of them. That's what so, the ones that I had from the animated series, then. Yeah, so that's cool, because uh, he says that they use the 78-card set. Like, that works for the original series, if you count the Menagerie as one episode. Oh, that's and then you have the 22 card set for the animated series. That's yeah. crazy how that worked out. Oh, that's funny. And there's also a, a TNG card set that someone made, but uh, but Tom Brewer 6024 said that um, o- only some of the cards have art and the rest just have pips and they're not very good. So yeah, well, that was interesting cool. for yeah. anyone into the, the Star Trek tarot card talk from last week. Ten, oh, what do you say about the 10 orbs? Oh, remember how there was that card that had the, uh, the right, 10 Bajoran like... orbs? Orbs. There's only nine. Um, so. Yeah, he said the the ten orb cards is just a custom ten of coin card with otherwise traditional art. So it's just, oh, I guess okay. it's just like it had coins there instead of orbs. So they just turned right. the ten coins into ten orbs. Orbs. Yeah, that makes sense. Probably would have made more sense to remove one, but um, yeah, it's just well, uh, well like I, I think when we were talking last week, we were like 
Aaron knew more about tarot cards than me, and then I think even which you, is not I, very I don't, much. I don't, I don't know much either. So it's like, okay, yeah. cool. I think I even said like, if someone out there knows, please let us know. So I mean, we're talking about a detail about like something that's on screen for like a flash, yeah. and if you don't really know know what it is, you're not going to pay attention to it anyway. That's the the beauty of having a, a fandom and community with such broad appeals that like oh one of our one of our fellow Trekkies was able to to explain the tarot cards to us yeah but um it was a lot of fun talking about this episode uh, again a huge thank you to the uh, Patreon crew helping us out every month that is um Starfleet so hell Kick is eternal crazy Dutchie Joanne Robertson John Daw Geek Filter Earl Ray Trekkie Quarks Barb and Junium Stephanie Durantes Matthew Averett Braxton Chuck A and our anonymous supporters. Hashtag save Star Trek Prodigy. Let's uh, find that show a home. Um, also, uh, Aaron was saying, like, let's also uh, continue to support um, Laura Dex. But, yep. uh, it, we don't want to be in the I similar guess, position with, the, with uh, that either. Yeah, there was an article that came out this week that was a little more clickbaity than it needs. But it's basically, you know, if that can happen to lower, to uh, Prodigy and, you know, everything, everything's on the bubble at this point, it seems like. But also they're in season five coming up. So this is where all of them had kind of been dropping off. So if we want to see more than five seasons of lower decks, you know, keep, keep supporting it. Be, be um, audible about it and, and just show your love. <laughs> yeah. And five years is a great run. So no, oh, it um, is. Yeah. But, I mean, if it, that happens, but still it'd be sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd be sad too, but I'm, I'm looking forward to whatever they do uh, next year in season five. But, uh, yeah. but before that, I'm looking forward to whatever they do in these, these remaining four episodes. So we could space them out, do one a month. <laughs> That would, uh, that man, that would make like doing this weekly show if it was like a monthly show. It, it would make, <laughs> a lot easier. Yeah, a lot easier. But uh, it would also like, I'd, I don't know, I'd be, I'd yeah. miss this audience. I'd be like, oh, I need to, uh, I don't know, I need to go talk to them about something. So, uh, but uh, yeah, we'll be back next week, episode seven. We think it'll be, uh, we think it'll be a big one. It'll be a fun one. Awesome. Until then, though, as always, live long and prosper, y'all.